Hey guys, we'd like you to please rate and review us on iTunes if you have not gotten the chance. Or if you have, do it again. Do it's it all ag- good. It makes <laughs> a big difference. Multiple reviews, please. <laughs> yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Please let us know if you have any thoughts, any feedback on anything that we've ever discussed. Or if there's any movies you want us to do. And with that, let's get started. Hello. This is Joya Italiano. This is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to Oh, That's a Thing, a podcast about the real science and sci-fi movies. Even if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We use the movies as jumping off points for some pretty awesome and real topics. That's right. We're not experts at all. We're actually just a couple of goons who Googled some stuff. But this stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, so sit back, relax, maybe learn a thing or two. Here we go. Here we go. Hey, guys. What's happening oh god shut up <laughs> shut up <laughs> the poster does say you've seen the science or wait no no you've no. sensed it you know it's okay <laughs> <laughs> you do it the movie you do poster it. says we've sensed it we've seen the signs now it's happening fuck you you guys get it <laughs> <laughs> fuck you so you won't see that right now but just know that it's there here comes the trailer <laughs> i don't know if any of you guys have heard about this article in the new york times well, apparently, honeybees are just disappearing all over the country. There appears to be an event happening. Homeland Security and the CDC has reported attacks. Boston, Philadelphia. Maryland. White House officials claim the CIA has a defense against chemical weapons. She says everyone's dead outside. What's going on? We lost contact. The affected area now includes California. Science will come up with some reason to put in the books. But in the end, it'll be just a theory. Oh, so many drink for titles <laughs> already in that trailer. Yeah. Something's occurring. An yeah. event is Happening. going on. Yeah. <laughs> I, Chihuahua. Well, the first thing I noticed was just how ridiculous Marky Mark sounds in that. And and it's like, you can you blame him, though? Because he was even saying he regretted working on the movie, but he was like, come on. I wanted to play a science teacher, you know? At least I wasn't playing a cop or a crook. Right, which I totally get that. But I, I think, like, the full quote was him being like, man, Amy Adams, who was almost in this movie, really dodged a bullet. <laughs> yeah. It was a really bad movie. He's like, fuck it, fuck it. It is what it is. Right. Fucking trees, man. Plants. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> like, I, right. I'm sure he didn't say it in that tone, but he literally said, fucking trees, man. <laughs> right. yeah. The plants. Fuck it. Well, in the trailer, so they, like, he very decidedly doesn't tell you anything of what's going on. It's just right. like a montage of people running around and all this shit. But right. spoiler alert incoming, guys. The happening is just, it's an eco-disaster story. It's this yeah. idea that plants and trees have collectively launched this anti-pollution counteroffensive against humankind by releasing airborne toxins that rewire the human brain. So then it causes all these like crazy mass suicides and who's it's and what's it's. Yep, and, and it's happening. <laughs> the, uh, the original title was The Green Effect. Okay. And apparently he shopped it around and everybody was like, no, no, <laughs> this is dumb. And then he reworked it and called it The Happening. And they were like, all right, we'll give you some money. Right. And, and then ev- the world was like, no, dumb. Uh, well, how did you, well, <laughs> I don't know if you guys can tell, but how did you feel about this movie, Jeff? <laughs> it's pretty dumb. It's pretty dumb. There, there are part, like some scenes individually that I kind of enjoy mm-hmm. for their kind of schlocky, fun nature of... Well, I mean, it's like a lot of M. Night movies where... 
Oh, fuck this guy. This guy. I have such a. Everybody has such a weird relationship with him, right? Because they mostly hate him. Right. Because they mo- like, they like one or two movies of his, and then how does it happen? Well, it's like when every movie then needed to have this crazy big reveal, and right. it never required any actual like true plot. Right. Or, like, well, this well movie like story. tells you up front that it's the plants that are doing it yeah. and you're kind of like the first time you're watching it you're like it can't be that because that would be right. how stupid would that be and then it's just that <laughs> and it just is and so there's a lot of you know when nothing's happening and the wind's blowing they're like bye you gotta you gotta stay in front of the wind it's they're just wind literally blowers running away from wind <laughs> as it like is coming across a field it's not the best monster movie <laughs> So apparently M. Night Shyamalan did a lot of research when he was making this movie and like reached out to scientists asking like, is there anything like this that can happen? So Mm -hmm. like throughout the movie, Marky Mark is mentioning a bunch of just, you know, random scientific phenomena, right? He mentions this primordial bacteria in Australia that kills off fishermen. And Mm -hmm. it turns out there is something called, they're called pyrethrins, pyrethrins, not sure. They're a neurotoxin derived from the chrysanthemum plants and they are specific to plants in Australia. But this, this bigger idea that we might've mentioned before in previous episodes, but this idea that marine plant life in recent years have begun releasing toxins in response to changing environmental conditions. Mm-hmm. This is called red tide syndrome. Okay. Ha- have we talked about this before? I think we might have like offhandedly mentioned red tides mm. before. I think they're actually known as harmful algal blooms. Yeah, like or they're known, they're known as habs. So yeah. what's the haps on habs? Oh, the habs are happening. <laughs> it's just too much. It's happening. <laughs> Yeah, harmful algal blooms. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so there's these algae blooms. So Wired.com approached this red tide expert by the name of David Karen, and he's a professor of biological sciences at the University of Southern California. And so he's been doing research on something called pseudonychia, which is an algae bloom, one of these habs, mm-hmm. that releases a substance known to cause amnesia in humans. Did what? you read about that? Yeah. No. And so there are toxins produced by this type of phytoplankton called domoic acid. So this domoic acid mimics glutamate, which is the molecule in your brain that enables electrical transmissions between synapses. So if you like absorb a bunch of this domoic acid in your diet from like shellfish or whatever that come from the sea, it gets into your blood, into your brain, and then into the hippocampus of your brain. So it just like fires all these synapse connections out, keeps firing them until the nerve function burns out. So while those nerves are firing, it causes all kinds of these neurological disorders like nausea, disorientation, a loss of short-term memory, seizures. And of course, if you take too much, it can kill you. That's that's amazing yeah. because like so that's a neurotoxin that works like kind of the opposite of how I understand neurotoxins to usually work, which, which is, is that yeah. because we all have like in our neurons, there's this special kind of fluid that allows the conductivity of the uh, like electrical impulses to travel from neuron to neuron. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of neurotoxins do is they replace that fluid with themselves <gasps> and then they stop any like it, no electrical impulses can actually continue. Oh, or is it. this like overdrives is, is, it? Yeah. Yeah, like it seems like it's burning it out and oh just like God. but th- what these do is that's why you'll get paralyzed is that the nerve impulse from your brain just trying stops. to go down your spine can't travel through the neurotoxins fluid that's been replaced <laughs> so were these killing 
any fishermen in Australia, or was this like, or was that primordial? This, this is separate from that the particular thing from the thing chrysanthemums. Is, yeah, okay, yeah, because um, yeah. that's yeah, that's Australia, Pacific West Coast mm-hmm. area, maybe farther, like closer to us than Australia. I know there's a lot of red tides that are on like the Gulf of Mexico, kind okay. of like off of Florida and stuff, and that it's really bad for even like like you go for a run on the beach after yeah. a red tide, and like people with asthma have terrible asthma after that because right. it's like it's not fresh air. It like replaces the air with not as much oxygen and all this oh, different shit. stuff. Like oh. it, it, red tides look sometimes like a big work of art. Right. You know, the red mixing with the blues the co- of the, the color ocean. Of the bloom. But it's like really associated with beaches full of dead fish. Oh, and fuck. like fish and everything like that that we would eat but beca- can become toxic when these things happen. Right. And they think that it's being caused by a lot of the pesticides and different chemicals that we dump into the ocean as to why at least one reason one. why it's happening more and more often. Probably coupled with the warming of the waters exactly. that are causing these blooms. So that's what, mm-hmm. what was interesting in this article is that Mr. Uh, Dr. Karen, Professor Karunos, he's a guy. <laughs> so he was talking about like this notion that plants could produce toxic substances because of pollution that then have a negative effect on our brains. That's reasonable. But right. this idea that M. Night Shyamalan presents that, you know, these organisms, these plants are targeting like humans, like being, specifically yeah. being like, humans are responsible, let's go in there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's taking it to quite the extreme. Yeah, totally. But plants do chemically defend themselves all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, I was reading about these plants that, there's called allelochemicals, mm-hmm. which are when plants release chemicals that are toxic to other plants that are nearby right, to stop that. them from growing. Because, like... If a tree falls in like the rainforest, they're it's gone. a total war between yeah, because they're, all they're, of them. They're competing for soil. They're mm-hmm. competing for sunlight. Mm-hmm. And so it is, yeah, survival of the fittest. Yeah, and so they release these chemicals from the roots into the soil, and then it's modified by microbes, and then the roots of neighboring plants try to take it up, and it's toxic, and like it's chemical warfare by plants. Right. And part of that process, by the way, is why like invasive species of plants sometimes are introduced and take over in a big way because the plants that are indigenous to the area are not used to those allelochemicals. Right, okay. And so they just destroy them. Oh my god. It's like fucking smallpox. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but for trees. And we want to understand allelochemicals to combat certain weeds and other things like for crops and stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, and also in terms of when herbivores chew on some types of plants, for example, they they respond with a chemical release that makes the herbivore not want to chew on it, so it mm-hmm. might taste gross. Right, right. But then they also send that kind of like volatile air emission to other plants so that they can sense and then like create their own little protective oh. chemicals. But there's different defenses depending on what kind of, you know, plant you're talking about. So again, this idea that, you know, all plants in the world would target Humans, humans which is what they suggest in the movie is not the case because they're also very different yeah because they in the movie aren't they like dogs are not affected or something yeah i mean they have some reason why i mean even not have the dogs be affected too right i guess because it would be really fucked up to watch a bunch of dogs kill themselves yeah to like choreograph like just the cg required or training required to get dogs to choreograph dogs don't need to be affected (laughs) There's a reason. Well, but also think about it. Like I was mentioning before, the the neurotoxin from chrysanthemums. That neurotoxin is often found in organic ex- insecticides, and hmm. they are safe from a human standpoint, but are highly toxic to bees. So oh. there are, you know, there's there's certain things that might damage some species, but not us necessarily. Or and even like the the same chemical release doesn't happen if if a tree leaf is just ripped it's like a specific chemical release if it's being chewed on oh. versus if it's just like damaged by well, the Well that's interesting too yeah like so that's like 
if the it knows the difference between the wind pulling it yeah and like it. even ripening fruits release hormones that can cause a response in surrounding plants and parasitic plants can sense chemicals emitted into the air and soil by other plants mm. so I said the fucking survival preservation switch that apparently in the happening gets turned off by these neurotoxins. Right. Which yeah, is yeah. why humans keep killing themselves. Fight or flight, we... <laughs> I, I, like, looked lightly into that stuff this week and was and wound up being like, you know what? Yeah, human beings have this thing where we want to preserve our own lives. Like, there wasn't much else to say <laughs> right. about it. Right. There is research to suggest that plants may have a social life that we, as of yet, Ooh. do not understand. According to a recently released study by scientists at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, the Great Lakes sea rocket weed can recognize plants related to it. And mm. this is important because plants often live with relatives and, like animals, can increase their fitness by benefiting relatives. So if you're like, you're my no cousin. Shit. Hey, buddy, let me protect you. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. Like, like... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? The Norman Rockwell plant painting. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and look, we, we've talked before about how plants can respond to outside stimuli. Like you did a, a section about like music, music and yeah, how, how like different types of music might affect plants. Yeah. Or you have a plant that, you know, you there's a certain area in your house that light reaches, then mm -hmm. all of the plant tries to face that area. Like they, they respond in that way. Or you think of like Venus flytraps, if you touch it, right. it's gonna it's gonna close. It has mm -hmm. those mechanisms. But like speech is not one of those stimuli. So like <laughs> whispering sweet nothings into your plant's ear is not gonna like, it might like raise the CO2 level a little bit right. in your vicinity, but they don't sense our presence. So again, this goes back to this idea that plants aren't going to target humans as being the causers of this, right. you know, crazy global Well, even if they can, like, feel the vibrations of our, like, sound waves, they can't understand the words. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. Fucking, like, Someone's here. Oh, my God. Quiet. That he's nearby, and yeah. he's talking about pollution. Right. And they don't have the cognitive abilities that we associate with communicating. So it's in, it's important to keep in mind that individuals don't evolve, but populations do by selecting for genetic variants that promote survival. So how quickly all of that happens depends on how fast those plants reproduce. So trees are going to go super slow because their generation okay. time is super low, whereas something like weeds can evolve pretty fast. That makes sense. So, but it's also unclear why, like, killing humans would help these plants in general, especially in parks. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, like, the, it's really the idea that just, like, we're killing the planet. What if the planet turned on us? Right, I, I know, get it. Yeah, and not like, to be like, you dick. It's like he was doing a creative <laughs> endeavor and right, he's trying right. to make a comment against pollution and, like, hey, what if they actually did have a defense mechanism? Right. But it's it's just wrong, it's, M. Knight. M. Knight, get it together. The, but, but to consider that... Also, like larger plants or larger organisms like trees are generally eaten by things that are very small. And under those circumstances, why expend all of the energy that it would require to create these neurotoxins to protect themselves from tiny little organisms? Right. But when you think about like smaller plants with smaller populations, that's a different story. Because, there, you know, there are plants that don't fuck with them. They'll mess you up. Right. Well, there are even like mushrooms that you could yeah. like. I was actually just reading about these death cap mushrooms that were that like 14 people in the San Francisco area showed up at hospitals after like some mushroom people like found some death caps oh, were shit. in the wild. Apparently, the, the thing that's interesting about these death cap mushrooms is that anybody who's been poisoned by them, at which a lot it's killed a lot of people, they all say it's the most delicious mushroom they've ever oh, eaten. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> and it I get looks kind of like an edible mushroom too, so it's it's pretty dangerous. Yeah. So, yeah, on a smaller scale, it's more likely that they would evolve to become poisonous as opposed to like you know the graceful oak, right. 
right. That's just like that, chilling it, for like, hundreds of years. <laughs> so plants, <clears throat> they happen. They happen. <laughs> <laughs> they happening. So, yeah, in this movie, uh, groups of people go crazy, and it's due to plants, as we've established. So I was looking into this fungus called ergot, and it grows on rye and other similar plants, and then making it into bread and eating it can cause hallucinations, irrational behavior, convulsions, and all sorts of other weird shit. But I love rye bread. Rye is delicious. (laughs) I mean, give me a Reuben sandwich any day. Stat. But rye at various times throughout history has been pretty dangerous. Actually, the first LSD was derived from this fungus, ergot. And when eaten raw, like, you know, if it's growing on rye, then it would really lead to bad trips. Like, it's you don't get, like, a good hallucination off of the raw stuff. cure. Right. (laughs) Even in small doses, though, it can cause, like, a pins and needles feeling on your skin or burning or itching sensations and eventually spasms and stuff like that. If you've ever heard of St. Anthony's Fire... That's mm-hmm. this. Like, okay. that was like an ancient disease where they were like, he's got the St. Anthony's fire. Oh, and it was I like, have not. Yeah. It, it, I've only heard of St. Elmo's fire. Oh, well, that's but. different. <laughs> <laughs> there was something that happened during the French Revolution that was known as the Great Fear, mm-hmm. where for about a month, people were freaked out. Now, like, we think that this is partly because of er- ergot poisoning. Mm-hmm. It might also have something to do with the fact that the French Revolution was starting. Sure. <laughs> but Tense. <laughs> there was like, like it may actually be responsible for like inciting it in a way by like stoking the fears and nuts. weird feelings. It's kind of like at the end of Batman Begins when they were like release that smoke into the whole uh-huh. city and everybody's just like hallucinating and seeing terrifying things. Right. Well, we're talking about the Habs that cause, you know, mm-hmm. short term memory loss and all this kind of if that's if something along those lines even the weird feelings on your skin and the right. whatnot you're just like i'm going nuts something's, ah, something's weird something yeah. that people are around me or you know mm-hmm. like you'd get paranoid mm-hmm. in 1951 in pont saint esprit mm. france esprit. sounds like this stuff affects the french pretty regularly because of weather conditions and stuff but also i assume because of all those baguettes so many baguettes oh man so in 1951 250 people went nuts saying stuff like they had the feeling of shrinking and shrinking while fiery serpents strangled their limbs seven people died and the connection between all these people was traced back to bread from one bakery (sighs) so you know we know that this is a thing the thing that it may be responsible for that's like really big is the salem witch trials because when you think about it it's not just the idea that people would hallucinate that their friend is a witch Uh but also their friend may be going into convulsions from the poisoning Right, seizures and shit. Right. So, and then, like, you add in that some of the girls have claimed that, like, they were attacked by villagers using the devil's magic, Mm -hmm. and then it's it's the crucible all of a sudden. Right. And apparently, like, this isn't confirmed, but it's, like, a real theory. All the Salem witch trials, they went on on through the winter, getting worse and worse, and then it suddenly stopped in May. Mm -hmm. And at the time, they all would have been using the grain and, like, the rye bread over the winter because it was able to, like, keep for longer. Jeez Louise. Did it? Really not, stop that abruptly? It I guess I didn't. Suddenly, okay. I, it was I like a one winter thing in the six, late. That 1600s. they killed that many fucking people. Yeah, and and all the trials stopped suddenly in May. You know, like around the time that like you would have been using like a new crops worth mm-hmm. of bread and different like foods, 
and you know just even like even if they weren't like severely hallucinating mm-hmm. like a light ergot poisoning of the entire town would well it certainly explains the yeah that some of the convulsing and all of this stuff. it's so interesting because it's I wouldn't say that that's like the reason it happened but it Definitely certainly not. compounds like it, if you already right. have this like mm-hmm. tension because it's like we don't like these financially independent women and right, then all right, of a sudden yeah. like, gotta find a reason to uh, and then you have this crazy hallucinogen mm-hmm. happening no wonder people are turning on each other right because it's it's easy to kind of write off that time as like well they were all cuckoo back then right, they, you right. know, were religious zealots and blah 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 which is not necessarily untrue it's not untrue but for that to have happened during basically a season well that's what i think about like with the french revolution and stuff it's like these major events in history may have been like where like people were panicked and then things changed significantly right. may have been related to like at least, like, it was exacerbated by this whole situation. So all of the chaos now is because of Habs. Is it rye bread or Habs? <laughs> it could be rye bread. We're all getting poisoned. Fuck. I do love the idea that, like, a number of spiritual journeys and various, like, visions people have had in ancient times mm-hmm. were probably due to eating some hallucinogenic fish or yeah. mushroom that they totally. didn't know was doing that. And then it was like, why would you not think that God yeah. is talking to you? We've talked about, you know, ayahuasca and all of these, right. like, quote-unquote natural things that right. peyote people go on to and have these spiritual experiences. But right. if you just think that you're getting the fucking rye right. for toast in the morning. And, <laughs> and you're, you're, you're a Puritan, so you're yeah. pretty pent up. With yeah, all sorts there's a of lot things. going on. You get a weird feeling in your body and you're like, ah, it's oh, the devil. Pins and needles, uh, the tingling sensation in my body. I don't like it. I don't like it. We're talking about this idea of kind of, of mass hysteria. And uh-huh. I wanted to look into something similar to that, but it's called the bystander effect. Have you heard of this? Ooh, bystander I, effect? I, tell me what it Briefly is. Briefly tell me what it is. So the bystander effect refers to when the presence of others discourages an individual from intervening in an emergency situation. So social psychologist Bib Latane, and I don't know, Bib, and uh, John Darley <laughs> popularized the concept following the infamous 1964 Kitty Genovese murder in New York City. So Genovese was, de- was stabbed to death outside her apartment while bystanders who observed the crime did not step in to assist or to call the police. Okay. So Latan and Darley, they attributed the bystander effect to the perceived diffusion of responsibility, which is basically what I said, that they're, you know, onlookers are more likely to intervene if there are few or no witnesses as opposed to if it's a right. group of people. Because, or if, like, everybody's intervening, you're going to join in. But if nobody's intervening, right. you're looking around and, going, like... Uh, and they're letting shit slide. You're like, should I? I don't know. Well, they mm-hmm. didn't, so I don't think I need to, Well, you know? I definitely, like, living in New York, I remember there were times where, like, a couple would be in, like, a fucking crazy argument in the middle of the street and everybody's just walking by and you kind of like look and you're like should I do something or step in or is that dangerous and then you look around at everybody else who's walking by and you go well I should be fine well that's allegedly what happened with the Genovese murder is Mm. that a lot of people thought that they were having a lover's quarrel and didn't know that she was being murdered and Uh it is this idea that you're like because it's also this idea of it's not by business right yes it's you know this idea of social influence too like you kind of gauge how to interact based on how others interact with each other now it's important to note that the New York Times kind of sensationalized the case. In an article in the September 2007 issue of American Psychologist, they concluded that the story is largely me- misrepresented based on like certain inaccuracies that were repeatedly published in newspapers. Uh-huh. But there have been numerous cases like this reported in recent years. So when an emergency situation occurs, it's chaos. You're not really sure what's going on. So being part of a large crowd makes it so that no single person has to intervene. Here's this, the experiment they did. So subjects were placed in one of three treatment conditions, either alone in a room with two other participants or with two other plants, not 
plant plants, but human plants. Okay, all right, yeah. Who pretended to be normal participants. <laughs> so as the participants sat filling out questionnaires, smoke began to fill the room. Mm. When participants were alone, 75% reported the smoke to the experimenters. In contrast, just 38% of participants in a room with two other people reported the smoke. That's fascinating. Isn't that crazy? And in the final group, the two plants in the experiment noted the smoke and then ignored it, which resulted in only about 10% of the participants reporting the smoke. See, that's the thing. Like, I remember hearing, you know, with my EMT days and stuff like that, like, always call 911 when you see a fire because everybody always assumes that other people are calling 911 because it's a fire. Right. So, like, better to have multiple 911 calls in about the same fire yeah. than none because everybody assumes everybody else is doing it. Well, I found it so interesting to think that based on what other people did, you're like, I guess I don't smell the smoke. Like, you second guess yourself right. and you gaslight yourself. And it's, totally. and that's crazy. And I've been in those situations where I'm like, this is nuts, right? Like, this is nuts. Right. Right. But I'm, you know, I am one of those people that kind of like assesses how I, how I react based on other people's reactions. So that's something I want to talk about and think about for yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah. It's funny yeah. how we do that even about liking things. To me, that extends to like, people are like, oh man, this movie was amazing. And you're kind of like, should I go back and see that again? I thought that sucked, but oh, maybe yeah. I should question my own. That is an excellent you know I mean? point because I think about all the time of people being like, Joya, you're going to fucking love this thing. And right. then I see it and I'm like. I I like every I time like is like it. a Am weird moment that yeah, I have to go yeah. home and be like, Am I being judging? It's like and then at a certain point you have to be like, No, sometimes you're just right and they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> sometimes opinions are opinions are yeah. things. But what I mean is sometimes people incorrectly judged what I they thought that I was going to enjoy. Right, yeah. They were wrong about your <laughs> Right. Your Don't taste. tell me you specifically, Joya, are gonna love this. Right, right. Don't tell me that. <laughs> now, some psychologists suggest that just simply being aware of this bystander effect tendency is, is yeah. perhaps the the best way to break the cycle. Just like understanding how you might be stopped because of this effect will kind of shake you out of it. Yeah. But also, you know, it doesn't mean that you need to like put yourself in danger. But also like if you're somebody that needs help, one way to kind of drag people out of it is by singling out someone and being like you can you right, help me right because when instead you of being like somebody help someone help things are happening right, here right. it's like when you kind of make that personal connection that eye to eye thing uh -huh. I would imagine it makes it a lot harder for somebody to be like I don't need to act right because someone else will take it if someone's like you there come help me yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean you yeah so it, yeah yeah but it is a really weird thing I see social experiments like this all the time what would you do as a show I was about you to know, say yeah of like and and at that the fucking at, show. On one hand, it's like it's fascinating because you're like those monsters, but at the other end, you fucking get it because also how many situations has have happened where someone intervenes and then they're the one that gets victimized as well. Like right. there is a self-preservation totally with intervening or not. Yeah, you have to decide like, do I get in the middle of this fight with this guy who has a gun? Right. Like, do I stop this? Right. I might get shot. But at least, I think, to your point, it's better safe than sorry. Even if Definitely. you think that other people are handling it, just fucking call the police, man. Especially when it comes to calling the police. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that show, What Would You Do, is such a weird thing. Like, it's like, I want to say to the makers of that show, fuck you. Yeah. Like, like, so I'm a monster because I didn't want to like yeah. approach a guy on the street who's beating his wife. That's the thing. It's like this judgmental nature yeah. of it where it's like you're putting people into a situation where it, like you're testing them, but it's not real. It's right. not like a real test. But then like the test is like, are if you're you a good, person good or not, you're strong. enough person? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, man, some yeah. people like we have like this is human nature. Right. And, and it's it didn't strike me like the show was trying to expose something of yeah. human nature. It was trying to be like, what would you do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's, it's sensationalizing it in its own regard. Right. But I think the example of the smoke filling the room, that kind of thing, that's yeah. something that I will like 
actively pay attention to. If I'm just like letting shit slide because nobody else is letting yeah. it Yeah. You don't want to be that boiled frog. Yeah. No. If you see something, say something. So you mentioned earlier the honeybees disappearing and stuff like that, and they talk about that in the movie too. Yeah, the neurotoxin like not damaging humans but being toxic to bees. Right, mm-hmm. right. And it turns out that like honeybees may not be going extinct, at least not what? anymore. What? Mm-hmm. I thought that they were very much going extinct, and I felt bad about it. Well, we sh- it's still a concern. Okay. Like let's not let's not rip- <laughs> sugarcoat it. Yeah, exactly. Honeycoat it. Honey. Okay. Oh stop. boy. Stop. <laughs> Meme want honeycoat. <laughs> stop. So what was going on, we think, is about 10 years ago, is that a pesticide was interacting with a parasite which may have been making queens less fertile. Because that was the thing. We couldn't really isolate a single thing that was going on. But we think maybe the pesticide was interacting with the parasite. And oh, there was like multiple factors going on. I thought it was on. the pesticides killing the bees, but it was just making her less fertile. It was making her less fertile. So the bees would abandon the colony and head for some other place. Because that was colony collapse disorder. It, the bees aren't all dead so much as they're all gone. Right. And so it's like this... The, some places even called it a bee rapture when it started coming around. Okay. And there, so there were fewer colonies, but overall bee population wasn't that different. Okay. Regulations were passed a little while ago on certain pesticides, and it seems like colony collapse disorder is becoming less and less of an issue, and that global overall bee population is still pretty good. <sighs> For the time being. Another thing, it, well, it's literally in the last three to five years yeah. that it's like we're seeing it become a lot better. Yeah, but you're talking about regulations I'm just concerned about. Well, exactly. But, well, that's another thing is that in 2015, Obama unveiled a strategy for improving the health of bees, calling for restoring 7 million acres of bee habitat, spending more than $80 million on bee research. Love it. So hopefully that continues. Well, I feel like Pruitt's going to be like, well, we need, the the bees are killing jobs. (laughs) God. (laughs) Busy bees. Too busy worker bees. We we need the workers. (laughs) But yeah, another thing is that queen bees can lay like 1,500 to 2,000 eggs a day. So unlike something like the giant panda, getting bee populations back up is something that can happen pretty fast. Pretty quick, yeah. But yeah, like we still need to be worried about the bees, making sure that they're happy and healthy. But it sounds like literally in the last couple of years, this thing that we were seeing happening, because it was 10 years ago, we didn't know what it was. Right. We were just like, all the bee colonies are disappearing. Stay here, bees. <laughs> Stay around, bees. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote this down. Is there some mention of ears and nose getting bigger in life? Oh, yeah. In the beginning, Mark Wahlberg is talking to his, like, he's got, like, a 15-year-old, like, hot student guy right. who's, like... He doesn't like, care for school. Yeah, he doesn't care for school because he's got perfect looks. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg's like, you know, eventually your nose is going to keep growing, your ears are going to keep growing, you're going to be ugly. And right. the kid's like, what? What? <laughs> what? Maybe I should learn science. And he's like, eh, I'm just fucking with you. I'm just fucking with you. Don't don't apply yourself. It yeah, doesn't exactly. Matter. Okay, so it's that's, like, that's you'll why. Be, you'll be... A, I think he literally says, you'll be a heartthrob your whole life. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> right. This coming from Marky Mark, the chemistry teacher. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or no, biology. I know a little something knows. about being a heart throughout my whole life. Right. Marky Mark. He's, if he ever hears this, he's not going to be happy about me referring to him as Marky Mark. Well, he's oh, Mark is he, Wahlberg. Is he done with that? He writes it off. Anytime somebody's like, hey, remember when you were Marky Mark? He like gets really upset about it because he's serious. <laughs> Those were the funky bunch days. I know, days. dude. We fucking loved your underwear modeling <laughs> anyway so this this common misconception that your ears and nose keep growing it is a misconception it is a misconception i let that just slip through 
it's less that they actually keep growing and more that they just appear to keep growing. Now, a lot of people assume that it's the cartilage of your ears and your nose that just constantly keep growing, but it's actually as a result of gravity that this appears. Gravity? Gravity, as with all the old saggy things, mm -hmm. right? Makes sense. Mm -hmm. But let's break down what cartilage actually is to point out why people are wrong about this thing. So cartilage is connective tissue coming in three forms. There's hyaline, elastic, and fibrocartilage. So hyaline cartilage is also referred to as articular cartilage. It's like the most common kind of cartilage in your body. It's found in your joints, on the edge of your ribs. It's also responsible for the shape of your schnoz. Oh. So elastic cartilage has large amounts of the same matrix material as hyaline, but its main component is elastic fibers and it gives it more flexibility. So this is responsible for your ears. It's also found in your epiglottis, which is that little flap that keeps food from going down your lungs, mm -hmm. and in the tubes between your ears and mouth called the eustachian tubes. Finally, there's fibrocartilage, which is pretty much what it sounds like. It implies mostly fibers. So instead of having a uniform stru structure, the fibers are more open and they have very sponge-like characteristics, which makes them perfect for shock absorption. That's what you find in your vertebrae, the joints of your knee, shoulders, and mandible okay. and stuff. So all types of cartilage grow in one of two ways, either interstitial or appositional. So to just Put it simply, interstitial growth happens within the cartilage, appositional growth happens by adding a new layer of cartilage on the surface. Okay. So the assumption was that this interstitial or appositional growth causes the mass of our cartilage and its size to increase as we age. However, studies have shown that the numbers of cells present in our cartilage is very similar up to the age of 40. And only after that we see a significantly lower number of cells present in any given amount, specifically 1.8 times lower. So it's not that the mass keeps growing. If anything, the cells are shrinking. But when we age, the collagen and elastin fibers that make up cartilage, as well as what's in our skin, it causes things to start stretching and mm sag which makes them appear longer and then your ears and your nose because of the sagging and the drooping <laughs> are actually lengthening so studies have shown that ears elongate by 0.22 millimeters per year and this elongation to age ratio is so exacting that it can be used by forensic scientists to determine the approximate age of a person oh wow so it's not unreal it's just I totally thought like you just for some reason your ears and nose just that mass keeps growing even though nothing else but in your body continues to grow. It's not that the mass keeps growing, it's that it keeps sagging. It, keeps it sags sagging. faster than your regular bones your and muscles. Your skin is melting away off of your face <laughs> and the, the cartilage that remains just looks giant in comparison. Well, so, old I look age, forward to seeing yeah. it in Marky Mark. <laughs> I would love to see his elongated droopy his ears. Big droopy nose. So they use the electronic broadcasting system in this movie that, like, this is a test. Uh, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. And I wanted to look into, like, any time it's really been used in the world nationwide. Because it's used all the time for, like, weather alerts and stuff like that mm -hmm. locally. But it's only been used nationally one time, and it was an accident. Oh, no. So it all started when a guy put the wrong tape into the machine during a scheduled test of the system in 1971 which sent out a notice to all radio and TV stations to stop broadcasting and get ready to broadcast emergency information. And it came with the confirmation code hatefulness. What? I know. That's their. That that's what they had. Right. That, was, that was their confirmation code. I think probably because it was like indicating that the president had directed all broadcasting to cease and a message was going to come any minute. And it's like saying, you know, hatefulness. Like, right. 
The what? Soviets are about to drop the bomb. Totally, totally. What was what year was it again? 1971. Okay. So, you know, during the Cold War, everybody's pretty freaked out. And it takes them 40 minutes to send through the cancellation signal with the right code word for that. 40 minutes? Well, because they keep sending through cancellation signals but with the wrong code words and the reason that we have the code word is that we were worried that the soviets would send cancellation messages just to like confuse the american public like this speaks to how paranoid we were that they would like not only launch a bunch of nukes on us like suddenly without warning but also try to maximize destruction by messing with radio emergency signals well now we get these amber alerts on our our phones and stuff like that like to me that's the future of this whole system or if you happen to listen to the radio there's the broadcasting stuff right but but at the time where all there was was radio and tv there were like billboards being like tuned to this station Uh they're even they used to build radios with like a sticker on the part of the radio where you would tune to in an emergency So I listened to a little bit of a radio broadcast of a news anchor during this little 40 minutes, Mm -hmm. and he is freaked out, and he doesn't know what's about to happen, and he thinks he's about to announce the end of the world. He's just waiting for confirmation. Yeah, let me play a little bit of that. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we ask you, please, please do not call us to ask what is the matter. We are endeavoring to find out ourselves. We have received this... Official emergency action notification with the proper identification indicating a national emergency. We know nothing now. We are watching our wires. This information is just in from the AP wire, attention news directors, and all bureaus. I am quoting direct, being completely honest. It says AT&T put the wrong message on tape. Put the wrong taped message, the normal tape explains the message is merely a test. And so, (laughs) if you think this hasn't been something here at the studio, the Air Force evidently then at Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado put the wrong message tape on the wire. How frustrated would you be if you were that guy? Oh, man. He said literally it was the longest five minutes of his his entire career in radio. (sighs) He thought he was going to like, he thought like Nixon was going to come on and yell duck. Like, I don't know. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so fortunately or unfortunately, most of the stations at the time didn't know what to do, so they literally ignored the message. Right. And a lot of others ignored it because it came in at the exact same time as a scheduled test was supposed to happen. So they just were like, eh, forget it. Right. I mean, I, I just, like, what do you do? It's sort of like, I, I'm really sorry yeah. that you were stressed out. I know. <laughs> Oops. The correct code word for cancellation was impish. Impish, yeah. R- randomly figured codes. Or... I, I don't. I think. I think that there's somewhat like it's like. Oh, we impishly are like. Oh, right. oh my bad. <laughs> That'd be my code. But hatefulness is like it's happening. Yeah. It's going down. The nukes the, are coming. The code is my bad. <laughs> <laughs> Science. Did you have any favorite lines? I did. Like, I think I wrote down, maybe people are setting off the plants. Like, I I don't know. There's terrible lines in this movie. Mine was, be scientific, (laughs) douchebag. Pretty much how I felt M. Night Shyamalan approached this whole project. He was just like, "Ah, I want the plants, Ah, but how? And then somebody said, be scientific, douchebag. Yeah, that's like like, his mantra that he said in the morning every day before filming. And then he was like, I'm going to be one of those things. Yeah. Oh, uh, we had hard, fun though. Too hard on M Night. I know. I mean, it, and really, people are very hard on him. Yeah, he doesn't get off easy. 
I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. He, I enjoyed several parts of this movie. I like the idea of at least asking audiences like, hey, what if they had defense mechanisms? Right. And also, let's make a comment that Americans, or not Americans, but just humans in general are destroying the planet. I appreciate right, it's that. It's definitely not Americans because at the end, they like go to France. They're like, if this had happened more than once, then we would do something globally about this. Right. But like, because it just happened in the Northeast and then it was over, forget it. And then it's <laughs> yeah. like some dudes on the Champs-Élysées or whatever in Paris going like... Right. And, everything, and it's happening again. Right. It's a world problem. Thank you, M. Night. Please give us the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> the happenings. Oh, God. Ay, ay, ay. And with that, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can find us at ohthatsathing.com and on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at It's a Joy Mia on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Jeffrey Ekman, and we will see you all next week for the movie The Predator. Ah. Yes. Or just Predator. Which, am I an old lady right <laughs> yeah. now? The Predator. The Star Wars. He smokes the dope. The dope. (laughs) We'll see you for that. It's pretty, it's, we get to the chopper eventually. We do get to the chopper. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.